0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Navigating the Noise, a podcast series brought to you by CHPA, the Corporate Housing Providers Association, with support from ASAP, the Association of Serviced Apartment Providers. I'm Brian David Johnson, your futurist and host for the podcast, and I'm joined by... And I'm Marianne Passi, the CEO of CHPA. Welcome, everyone, to Episode 8 of Navigating the Noise, where we're going to look at the future of digital security and business, what you need to know. Now, in true, true spirit of navigating the noise, there's a lot of noise around digital security, cybersecurity, there's a lot of hype, there's a lot of fear mongering, there's a lot that's going on, and some of it is fear mongering, some of it's hype, Mm. some of it is noise, but also some of it is a reality, some of it is actually really important, and that's where we're going to focus on today is kind of what you need to know. Again, we're going to follow what we always try to do here on navigating the noise is cut through the noise and give you some clarity.
1: So, BDJ, along with that, the number one threat that CEOs fear are cyber attacks. Um, So members have always focused on ensuring that the data that they're storing is secure, and now with the advent of GDPR and other regulations, they also need to switch the focus uh, to what data they're even collecting from people that are staying in their units. So most members are navigating this new world of data security by choosing to put data processing and storage in the hands of experts and providing more internal training around awareness. And they are seeing this as a natural extension of their duty of care to their guests
0: and clients. Yeah, so certainly a big, big subject Mm -hmm. that we're really gonna dive into. So as we do with all of our episodes, we'll examine this subject from multiple angles, getting different perspectives and ideas about the subject. And we'll also look at how to apply it specifically to the future of corporate housing and longer term rentals. The podcast is broken up into three segments. First comes The Road Ahead, where we explore futures research, looking outside the industry to get that, that bigger picture. And to do that, we bring in a guest who is an expert in this area, who works in this area, and people who might be doing some research in this area.
1: And then we go to uh, What Matters, where James Voice and I... Uh, James with the Association of Service Department Providers, ASAP. We've gone out to find corporate housing and serviced apartment providers and partners, so global thought leaders in our industry, uh, to bring you the realities of what's important to you and your companies. So these are people like you who are taking this information, using it, and putting it into action.
0: And finally, we'll discuss in Section 3, pragmatic steps you can take today to prepare for the future in a segment we call Three Things to Do. So with that, Let's get started. This is section one of the podcast that we call The Road Ahead. So as we explore the future of digital security and business, Marianne and I are going to look at the road ahead and understand what do you need to know about this area. Now, these days, there's a lot of noise around digital security and cybersecurity, and a lot of it's really dark, and a lot of it really disempowers people. So that's why we really wanted to take this one episode and really focus on, you know, what do you need to know and what do you need to know for your business now this this future of digital security and cybersecurity is something that i know a, a good deal about one of the things that i do aside from just being a futurist is that arizona state university i am the director of something called a threat casting lab and this is where we go and work with government and military and private industry and trade associations to look out into the future 10 years and discover new threats, new threats to economic security, to national security, and then turn around and look backwards and say, what do we need to do to disrupt, mitigate, and recover from those threats? And so we wanted to pull that into this episode, and that spirit of navigating the noise, to look at this very large, sometimes daunting world, but really give you that idea of what do you really need to know? What are the Ultimately, what are the three things you need to do to be prepared for tomorrow? So to get us started and to really start to push in and understand it more, Marianne and I have invited a guest onto the show. We wanna welcome to the show, Dr. Natalie Venata. She is a cyber officer in the US Army focused on defending the nation in the cyber domain. Lieutenant Colonel Venata also holds holds an appointment as an academy professor in the Army Cyber Institute, which is the Army's think tank on all things cyber. Natalie, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you, I'm super excited to be here today.
0: So on this episode, Natalie, Marianne and I are talking about the future of digital security and business and what our listeners really need to know. And and, and so we want to dive into kind of the reality and certainly with with your background, um, not only in academia, but also in the U.S. Army, you certainly have a sort of rich history in this area. So as people and businesses start to think about cybersecurity and digital security today, when you talk to people about it, what should they be worried about? How should they think about this type of security?
2: Well, they should think about it as every other kind of security. It's there and it has to be everywhere. It has to encompass every piece of your life, every decision you make, every risk calculus you calculate. Cybersecurity and securing that digital domain has got to be part of the conversation each and every day.
0: So for you, what you're saying is that when you think about digital security, it's really not about digital security. It's just about security so mm-hmm. just like you lock your door or just like you make sure your windows are locked or you you know don't walk out onto your front stoop and scream your social security number out that people should really think about that That digital isn't something that's over there it's actually something that really today is a part of everything we do mm-hmm.
2: absolutely it's not just your physical footprint you have to worry about but also your digital footprint and that every action you do is somehow putting out the ones and zeros, the waveforms out in the world and has an impact across the cyber and digital domain as much as in the physical domain.
0: So do you think that most people don't think about it this way? And I'm interested, Marianne, to see what you think when it comes to industry members as well. Is this something that people are still thinking of is that digital security and and cybersecurity is something that's kind of, it's a high-tech thing that's just kind of over there. Do you think people are um, thinking about it as what kind of, as Natalie said, that we need to think about it in every action that we take, do, do we think about it on par as locking your door?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think members have a long time, for a long time, have focused on the uh, securely storing the data that they have, but now they've got to look at and they're required to look at the data that they're taking in. So um, I think that it's becoming more prevalent in their um, business planning. But, you know, we we've talked a little bit about um, not if member companies are hacked, but when member companies are hacked, and so um, putting a plan in place, and and so Natalie, do you have some recommendations on how businesses can can address that? How they start even thinking about it if this is not on their radar?
2: Absolutely, and you know it comes to a change in behavior mm-hmm. is really what everybody can do, whether in their organization, for work, or in their their family. And there's three really small changes in behavior that people could start doing today. If this big problem of cybersecurity seems to be too much, too techy, too geeky, mm-hmm. three little things that they can do today. And the first one is they just need to patch their computers and computers. I mean, tablets and iPhones and anything with electrons, you just need to install those security updates because that is going to help defend your footprint and your physical physical space Mm -hmm. um and it's something to change right so we learned we brush our teeth twice a day because that helps defend the body and our health we need to just get in the habit of accepting and installing those patches Uh, the second really easy change to behavior you have to make is just question when applications and web pages ask for your information. As Brian alluded to earlier, if you randomly get stopped in the street and someone asks you, What's your favorite color? Where did you meet your spouse? And what was the first car you drove? You're probably <laughs> just not going to tell them that. Um, you're just not going to lead with that. Mm-hmm. And so, I, if people would just actively think before blindly clicking to allow systems and applications access to all their data, or why does that app even need your GPS coordinates or the ability to see all the photos you've ever taken on your phone? So think through that before you make a decision. And the third really small behavior change you can make oh, are those passwords. And passwords are scary. They're complex, they're difficult, they're 18 characters, they're uppercase, they're lowercase, they're not the last five you used. Like it seems overwhelming. But I would say the one small thing you could do is just don't use the same password for everything. Think about the levels of security you're using that password for. And maybe it makes sense that the same password you use for your online banking is not the password you want to use for your social media. Because think about if one of those passwords get compromised, what else can the adversary or a Mm -hmm. criminal get? And just those three little changes to behavior could set the world on fire for us being able to better defend in this domain, whether at home or at work.
0: I think it's those, those simple things, I think, Natalie, you make a great point, like you wouldn't have the same key for everything. Right. You right. wouldn't have the right. same key because if you lost that key, or somebody, then they have access to, to everything. Or mm-hmm. as you said, just like brushing your teeth. Or I, I love the, the the what you said about when somebody walked up to you in the street and started <laughs> asking you these questions. What's your you mother's maiden name? You would be sus- suspect right, like, Exactly. I don't think that's a good idea. And to th- try to translate that into the digital domain, mm-hmm. I I certainly have seen, and when I do work with people as a futurist, that people do think that the digital world is something that's over there, mm-hmm. and that the physical world is here. And I think Natalie, you make a great point that, especially now in the 21st century, it's, it's all together. Everything is is all together. So I want to I move on now to tomorrow. As mm-hmm. I know, Natalie, you do um, work with the Army Cyber Institute. You actually look out into the future and looking at the future of possible threats, not only to the United States Army and, um, and, the, and the United States in general, but also thinking about business, thinking about economies, thinking about things like that. So as you look out into the future when it comes to this cybersecurity and business, where do you see things going? How should people be thinking about prepping for the future? Aside from those three simple things you just gave us, what are some other areas that they should be keeping an eye on?
2: Great question. And if I could truly answer that well, well, I'd be walking down, uh, down the corner and buying a Mega Millions ticket, right? Because <laughs> I would understand the future exactly. Um, I'd say the future of cybersecurity is really not scary. Like, I spend so much time watching the media and folks writing and trying to scare everyone, like, oh, no, the world is ending, and it's not. Like, the future of cybersecurity is full of opportunities and, really, challenges, because it parallels where technology is evolving. And that new, interesting gadget or gizmo or system that we're going to want to bring into our work environment or bring into our home and make it part of our lives cybersecurity has a hand in that because we're gonna have to figure out how to protect and defend that. So really to understand this future of cyber, it's hand in hand with how technology and society is gonna evolve. And the challenge is gonna be standing up with those scientists and researchers and figuring out, hey, this is a really great idea. This is like cutting edge. This is what the world needs. But let's not forget about how do we secure it? How do we secure that system or that gadget how do we secure how it's connected to the larger world and how do we secure that data that it's going to either produce or consume
0: yeah that's a one of the things that uh the work that i do um, on the engineering side that's one of the things that we see that's quite prevalent um, as you look out at these devices. So mm-hmm. devices that people might bring into their homes or devices that people might bring into their businesses that generally people aren't thinking about security first. People are thinking about efficiency, people like are smart speakers. About smart speaker, speakers, ease of use. I mean mm-hmm. all these different smart thermometers, they're right. they're thinking about how can I just make it work? Because mm-hmm. it's new. And very rarely do they think about security first. Right. right. But I think Natalie makes a great point. We need to take a step back and say, well wait a minute you're bringing something into a living space. You would also, let's think about security and the security of those people and the security of the data that's moving back and forth mm-hmm. and the care of those people mm-hmm. who are in that space. I think it's a, a, it's a really great point that as we think about the future and also when it comes to business, as you bring these devices into your business, both physically and even from a, um, a, a digital standpoint, mm-hmm. you know, are you taking a moment and thinking about what's the security? Why do people need to know a certain thing? Why right. does this need to be connected? What happens if this is hacked? What, when having a plan for mm-hmm. that, I think is a, is really, really um, an excellent point. So, okay. Natalie, when you are or when you were thinking about this, these these future areas, are there? Anything that when it comes to how businesses could collaborate, so you had mentioned before that people need to kind of stand up with those engineers, with those researchers, with those businesses, is there, is there a role that maybe businesses could play? I mean, certainly we all know that there's a role that the United States Army can play and that the government can play, but is there, is there a role that you see that, that private industry could really take some steps to make us more secure?
2: Oh, absolutely. Right. So as we look at what's the next gen, the next cool thing that we want to build or that that business needs, obviously there's you have a vote. You can vote not to pay for it. Right. And the supply and demand curve by saying, well, you did not consider security in this aspect. You didn't build in this and you can't show to me how secure this is or how you're going to protect my data or how you're going to ensure that if something happened to this device, that not everything that else that's connected to it in my business is now gonna suffer from it. So in the end product, absolutely, you can vote by not supporting it. But I would say having an honest conversation with cybersecurity researchers to understand what your business platform, what your business needs, would be very helpful. I find even in the Army, as we try to talk to, um, commanders that are used to infantry formations or armor formations so they have a bunch of tanks Understanding how they operate, how they do business, what their expectations are, make it much easier to help figure out how we protect and defend from a cybersecurity perspective. And if that conversation is not happening between the cybersecurity research community with academics and your business sector, then that's why the products and the ideas that are designed are not gonna have security baked in, not because we wouldn't want to, but we just don't understand who to talk to and how to even start this conversation.
0: Yeah, so so private industry has a role to play, number one, with the with the dollar, right? So mm-hmm. number one with what you buy. So as you say vote with your vote with your wallet and to say, No, we want this to be secure and we're not gonna bring it in unless it is. But it's a great point. Number two to say, well, no, you have a role to play as private industry to stand stand up and say, We want this. Mm-hmm. This is how our business works. This is what we need to get done. We still need to have ROI. We still need to make business. It's a business for heaven's sakes. But at the same time, more and more security gets put at the forefront of
1: Mm -hmm. that. And And then both educating and uh, collaborating around that, those points of security, what needs to be secure. Because there's a lot of personal identifiable information in the industry, in our industry, that gets transferred as part of any move-in or relocation um, and housing experience. So. Um. Yeah,
0: and that's a great point, Marianne. I think that one of the things, th- to Natalie's point, a lot of them may not know. So a mm-hmm. security researcher, a cyber researcher may not know, oh, we need to protect this, or here's why we need to protect this and not this. I mean, again, in the spirit of navigating the noise, there is so much noise and so much fear-mongering and so mm-hmm. much, this is so big that you can't do anything about it, which disempowers right. everybody, mm-hmm. and it's awful. So what we're trying to do is saying, well, no, you could stand up and say, well, no, as a part of my business... Here are the things that I need to protect. Here Mm -hmm. are the things that this is my duty of care when it comes to data. This is what you need to protect to then go back to not only industry, but also cyber researchers and say, this is what we want. And if you do this, it's good for business. It's not Mm -hmm. only because security is good for business. Right. Yeah. Well, Natalie. Fascinating, fascinating perspective. I really appreciate you taking the time to, to come on the show and share with us not only what we should be considering today, everybody remember those, those three simple steps from Natalie that you can take today just to make yourself more secure, but also kind of pushing the industry. You know, as somebody who is, you know, deeply, deeply embedded in this world of cybersecurity and certainly national security, of saying, you know, I think private industry has a role to play to step up, to understand that security is important, but then also to reach out to other sectors and say, you know, here is how we can make things more secure and make everybody more secure. So, Natalie, we really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much. Welcome, everyone, to the What Matters section of the podcast, where we take the broad futures that Marianne and I have just explored and figure out what matters to CHPA and ASAP members, as well as the corporate and long-term housing rental industry. Today on the podcast, we're looking at the future of digital security and business, and more specifically, what you need to know. So Marianne, who's our, who's our first guest today?
1: Well, with us is Bob Siegel. Uh, as the president and founder of Privacy Ref, uh, he started Privacy Ref in 2012. Bob took his experience as a senior manager of worldwide privacy and compliance at Staples, Inc. and applied that to assisting companies implement and maintain strong privacy programs. Bob has worked with many different organizations dealing with programs of all sizes and regulatory needs. And Bob's also led a webinar for CHPA member companies about GDPR recently that's available for viewing. So thanks for joining us today, Bob.
3: Glad to be here. Thanks for the opportunity.
1: So, Bob, as
0: I said, we're talking about the future of digital security and business. So as you look into the future of digital and cybersecurity, what does that future look like? How do you see things?
3: I actually see things becoming a little bit more dangerous, a little bit more risky. Um, As new technologies get rolled out, we're finding that there's less and less time being spent on security. It's one of the last things that get added on. It seems to be that there's a real push for time to market, get these new technologies out, new software out, new hardware out. And that leaves these new technologies vulnerable to hackers and others who would want to steal uh, your personal information, for example. Um, It means that um, businesses have to be more vigilant about what they're doing to uh, protect that information and be very selective in the type of technologies that they do implement. Um, I always advise my clients that they should be looking at new technologies, but they shouldn't necessarily be the first to grab something that's innovative um, because of that risk.
0: You know, that's a, a great point that you bring up, Bob, and this echoes really what um, our expert had said at the at the top of the, the show. Dr. Renata had said that, yeah, you are beginning to see that the, the level of security and oftentimes security is not even a second or third concern. Um, and what she was advocating for is just like you said, that people need to really think of physical security and really also understand that that digital security is kind of a similar thing, right? We all lock our doors, we need to start thinking, especially when it comes to business about that in a different way. Let me ask you, why do you think uh, in business that people really separate those worlds? It seems like today in the 21st century, you would really understand that you know, people's data and your digital footprint is really as meaningful as your physical footprint and your, your sort of physical being. Do you, are you seeing people that there's still a gap with some
3: folks? Absolutely. Um, And I think it's understandable. Um, As things innovated, um, let's go way back to the early and uh, mid-20th century, change wasn't happening that quickly. It was People had time to bring in a new technology, let's say a car from a a horse-drawn carriage. They had time to adopt to it, figure out what needed to change, how they could use it, where the risks were, where the dangers were in operating a car. Now, by the time I get my Amazon Echo installed, there's Echo Plus and Echo Spot and and so on and so on. So I don't have the chance to understand what the risks are and what the best practices are for using that technology. Um, And instead, it starts to proliferate. I go to a hotel room now, for example, or or a rental unit, and I walk in and there is an Amazon Echo device sitting there. Now, if I'm not familiar with that device, I don't know what risks are. I don't know how to use it. I don't know if somebody can hack in and use the camera on the Echo Spot to see what I'm doing in that rental unit. Um, So we just don't have the time that we used to have to adopt and understand these new technologies before we start using them.
1: Well, Bob, how would you recommend that people could educate themselves on what the risks are and how not to open themselves up to risk?
3: Well, it's... With all the new technologies, you can't assume, and no one can assume, that they know everything. There's, there's a lot of experts out there. There's a lot of articles that purport to be experts out there. Um, you need to find a trusted advisor, someone who could help you navigate what those risks are before you go and, and implement them, uh, implement those devices, I should say. Um, and reading the articles on the Internet, for example, I never would suggest is a good source unless you have a reliable author reliable journalist you're using because a lot of those articles are there to help support and sell those technologies mm-hmm. and they ignore what the risks are so you need to find someone who can help you through it how you can navigate through it the others is don't necessarily rely on those key vendors that you're outsourcing your work towards either because again they're selling product they're trying to get you um, to work with them and to offload some of your work to them which is good to you from one perspective but from the other perspective you don't know what um, steps they're taking to protect your information Um, the recent introduction of uh, the the general data protection regulation in Europe has a great model for when you're bringing vendors on board and what types of things you should require them to do and what types of things you should limit them from doing. So I'd advocate putting some sort of data processing agreement in place along those lines. Um, the things that are changing with the new California law that's been put in place from a privacy perspective, as those things get sorted out, that's going to help improve privacy here in the US as well. So from a business standpoint, you know, buyer beware. Get someone you can trust to help look at these different alternatives um, and different technologies to identify the risks and understand how they apply to your own business.
0: And you make a you make a great point there, Bob. And and one of the things that we'll make sure to do on on the website is make sure that we get some links to those to those different um, areas that you've mentioned. Because I do agree there, a lot of people are putting in a lot of time and they're very important and they also could have a, a big impact on your business depending upon. Uh, where you're doing that business as well, and you also make a great point that making sure that when it comes to digital security and cybersecurity, that you have the appropriate level mm-hmm. of of a solution. You know, let's not use an M1 tank to get rid of your ant problem right so we have to make sure that it's not outsized as as you're right but and then on the flip side is don't be kind of overwhelmed by the the noise don't be overwhelmed by and disempowered by people telling you oh you can't understand this you can't understand this that really ultimately you can because you can understand business and just as you can understand your physical security there's steps that you can take when it comes to your cyber security but I'm going to I'm going to call you out Bob and push you a little bit further if you could I want you to be our trusted advisor mm-hmm. today <laughs> on navigating the noise you are our trusted advisor so pick any area you want. Again, I'd leave it up to you. So what should businesses and what should business people do today as they start to prepare for that tomorrow? You know, what, what are the possible threats? What are some areas that you're right now that are really kind of topical for you as you're thinking about as you're advising and you're thinking about where things could go for the future? What's top of mind for you?
3: So what I find myself doing fairly frequently is that our clients are developing or having developed for them innovative technologies to um, differentiate them from their competition and one of the things that i always stress for them to do is to think about how that personal information they're collecting with those new applications with those new technologies about how someone might want to misuse them what are all the risks that they can identify beforehand Who is going to be the perpetrator of that risk? Is it someone internal, is it someone external? Um, And then um, what they can do to um, put controls in place to avoid those risks, to mitigate those risks. (laughs) The, um, The point of it is, it then brings privacy, which is really where I focus on, to the forefront of developing an application and establishing a business practice. And it allows you to then work with the security team to put their controls in place that will effectively prevent misuse of the data. So privacy and security, you have to work hand in hand. So I always joke, I grew up in New York City. I'm a paranoid New Yorker. That's a good thing to be in privacy and security because you think about all the things that could possibly go wrong and try to find a way to avoid them hope that
0: yeah. helps. Mm-hmm. No that's the I mean certainly putting I don't I don't know about being a paranoid New Yorker <laughs> but I think the idea of of putting yeah thinking of security may, and and taking that moment to take a step back and like you said ask that question about security about privacy about data or maybe even the duty of care when it comes to people's data. I think that's I think something especially for this industry you could start to think about. Well, you could do duty of care for a person being sort of being in a property, mm-hmm. but what does that mean for their data? And I think mm-hmm. there there might be some very nice kind of parallel models to at least give people a place to start.
3: Yeah, I would first I I would I would first recommend that people don't think about owning the personal information they collect. Businesses should think of themselves as stewards of the information they collect and that the individual who they got the information from is the actual owner. So they're just a caretaker um, and need to provide the due diligence to make sure that that information isn't lost, isn't leaked to anyone else.
1: And, Bob, I was just going to say, um, you know, uh, your recommendation to find a trusted expert, that's what uh, most member companies most member companies are doing as they're trying to navigate the new world of data security. They're uh, choosing to put data processing and storage in the hands of experts and also providing more internal training to their employees and their staff um, to be good stewards of the data, as you just mentioned.
3: Yeah, and, it's, it, and that's a challenge in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, be a, um, if you think about the individuals you have as members of your organization, they're gonna range in certainly age and generation, but also in cultural background. Mm-hmm. And um, protecting information privacy is very cultural and it's very age specific. For example, I have a niece who's in her 20s who put, post stuff on Facebook, which my sister used to write in her diary and my mother won't even talk about. It makes Thanksgiving dinners really interesting, but um, it's just a different – you've got to get all those people from those different generations, different cultures abdicating or deprecating what they think of from a privacy perspective and adopting your organizational um, morals Mm -hmm. from um, protecting information. And that's a tough, tough road to hoe.
0: Definitely. Well, well, Bob Siegel, we want to thank you for coming on the podcast today. We really appreciate it. I think your perspectives and advice are going to be really, really helpful for the listeners. But uh, first and foremost, we want to, want to thank you for coming on the podcast and joining us today.
3: Thanks again. Really enjoyed it. Thank you, Bob. So Marianne, as we're looking out
0: to the future of digital security in business, who's the, who's the next guest you found for us?
1: We have Aaron Turner. And Aaron is Chief Technology Officer of Bridge Street Global Hospitality. Prior to coming to Bridge Street, he was COO and CTO of BrandShop, a provider of digital commerce solutions to Fortune 100 companies. While there, he was accountable for delivering $100 million in revenue through their commerce operations. And before that, he led marketing operations and technology for the Enterprise Marketing Division of eBay. Welcome, Aaron. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, welcome to the welcome to the show. So as I mentioned, Aaron, on, on this episode, we are looking at the the future of of digital security, cybersecurity, and business, and also what what people really need to know. Right there's a there's, there's a lot of noise around this um, around this subject, and that's one of the things we try to do here on navigating the noise is get people to be able to navigate that and figure out what, you know what do they need to be concerned of. So the the first question that that Marianne and I wanted to ask you is so what are you doing today? Around digital security and cybersecurity, what are the things that you're focusing on?
4: At, at Bridge Street, we have a pretty uh, robust cybersecurity and uh, data security program. It, it's broken down into five parts, where we focus on business processes, our products and services, and the information that they collect. Inform- the flow of information is the third part. Um, we have a whole section dedicated on outsourced services. And then last is access to information. So that's our five part strategy to data security and cybersecurity.
0: So how did you how did you get to that? I think for a lot of companies and for a lot of organizations out there, most people look at digital security and cybersecurity as something that's sort of very separate or almost too big to understand. How did you how did you get to that that those that those five areas? What was that process like?
4: Yeah, we we took a look um, from the ground up, we looked at all of the data that we are collecting, including PII data, including PCI data, all of the data uh, needed to fulfill a guest reservation within our space, and we took a look at all the business processes that is needed that are needed to generate that reservation and all of the guest interactions, and then we looked at the products and services that um, you know need to put all that data together that actually collected the data and then how that information is sent to either third parties or even within different systems within uh, the bridge street ecosystem and then we look finally at the people who had access to that information all along the guest journey but it really started with how we collect the guest information and the the confidential information and made sure we had um, a good understanding of the people processes and technology associated with that
0: yeah, and that's that's really helpful because I think you know following following that data, following the kind of flow and that information flow, I think can be really helpful for folks that because they you know just in running your business, you need to have an understanding of that. But being able to ter- put the security and privacy lens on top of that, I think could be a really helpful first step for people just to kind of analyze how they're doing business today, so that they can make sure they're they're securing themselves for tomorrow.
1: And I have a, a question for you, Aaron. That's um Along the same lines, but a little bit down the road, so members, member companies are talking about continually needing to invest to stay ahead of the curve, investing in software and firewalls and in encryption. And do you have any um, recommendations on how they do so? Because they're they're hearing investing in this as, as really expensive. So do you have any your recommendations on how they can kind of stay ahead of what they need to be protect, protecting?
4: Uh, I do. I mean, there there are a lot of companies out there in the cybersecurity mm-hmm. uh, space that you can out- outsource a lot of your um, security to. Um, things like directory monitoring, uh, log monitoring, software packages, um, web application monitors, um, spam filtering. So, I mean, if you if you take a look at the regulations and requirements, whether it be um, SOC 2, type 2, whether it's PCI, they kind of lay out all of the requirements. And there are service providers out there that really focus in on um on meeting expectations when it comes to the regulations out in the marketplace
0: so really finding that that outsource or finding that that trusted partner that person mm-hmm. that you can kind of trust and making sure that we've had uh, some other conversations in, in this episode about making sure that the that that solution fits the problem that you kind of understand what the problem might be first like you said under, understanding and analyzing your business processes around data yeah and then finding somebody who can give you the the right solution to that my I, I wanted to, to take another step, kind of even uh, down a little bit deeper, um, and it's a conversation that we've had on, on, on the podcast. That we've been talking about around the, the notion of duty of care, and how do you see the protection of client data as an extension of duty of care? Do you, do you see that connection?
4: Oh, absolutely. I mean, when, when you look at duty of care, a lot of people just focus on you know the, the, the quality of the buildings, the quality of the accommodations, or emergency management services, things like that, we focus on multiple parts of the duty of care and certainly protecting uh, customer data, guest data, client data, part of duty of care. If that data is shared um, outside um, outside the appropriate people, then that, that creates a lot of risk for an individual guest in their personal life. It creates um, a lot of distraction and uh, legal implications with the employer of that guest if it happens to be a corporate traveler and it creates a lot of anxiety for business travel just in general. So it's absolutely part of our our duty of care program at Bridge Street.
0: Yeah, that, in, a, in our conversations that Marianne and I have been having and also in, in our conversations with guests, it it has kept, kept coming up. I mm-hmm. think it's, it could be for, certainly people in this industry, a good framework. I think a lot mm-hmm. of people understand duty of care, as you say, in the physical world. But how, and just take that same approach, that same way of thinking, and maybe just copy paste, put in digital, right? Just say, okay, well, what does that look like? I think it can be a, a helpful framework for people just when they're, they're trying to get their heads around what, what they should do. I think mm-hmm. it's a good approach. And so the, the, the final question we have for you is is about the future. Um, so you've obviously done a lot of work in this area throughout your career, um, as you said, you, you've kind of got a comprehensive approach and a pretty sophisticated approach to uh, what you're doing today. So I got to ask you, Aaron, so what's your plan for the future? What, what do you think you'll be doing? What do you think the industry should be doing? You know, and w- what are the things that people should be thinking about as they're thinking about w- what to do in the future?
4: Well, as technology becomes more available to folks, to the broader ecosystem, and it gets more complex, uh, from a technology standpoint and a business process standpoint. We need to really under everyone needs to understand all of the business processes, all of the flows and we need to make sure that all of the touch points that touch data that needs to be secure. We need to make sure that they're locked down and protected. I think we owe it to our guests. I think we owe it to our clients. So things like making sure that data is being tr- transmitted over secure channels like TLS 1.2, making sure data is encrypted at rest, making sure that if someone's logging into a system to make a booking or looking at reservations, you know, making sure there's multiple authentication methods. So it's just not a username and and password. Um, These are all things that are table stakes today in some industries that this industry uh, really needs to focus on and adopt. But as far as the future goes, it's really evolving as you know, the the people trying to exploit this information evolve, we need to evolve at a faster pace. And whether that's building um, deeper knowledge with our internal teammates or if that's um, outsourcing best-in-class providers to provide that information where there may be gaps, um, all of that's going to be required to kind of stay ahead of of the bad guys.
0: Well, and that's, uh, I think, a very sober Um, Mm -hmm. and very uh, pointed, um, I think, piece of advice there, Aaron. that I think people do need to understand, well, certainly that this is important, that you need to view your physical and your digital security in very similar ways, but the fact that this is not a one-and-done thing. This is something that it is new, it is emergent, it is something that you're not going to fix by doing it once a year, that you kind of create this culture of security, Mm -hmm. this culture of way of of thinking about security and approaching it. Awareness of it. The yeah, awareness, awareness of, of all of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and being able to really make that a part of the organization, and that you don't have to you know, spend all your time on it, but if you make it a part that awareness, I think, mm-hmm. it, uh, it's a, it, I think it might be a, a little bit of a bitter pill to swallow, mm-hmm. because you can't just fix it, you can't just swipe or pay somebody and be all done, that this is now a reality. Just mm-hmm. like phys- physical security has mm-hmm. been a reality in this industry for a long time, digital security is here to stay, and it needs to become a part of that awareness and of that culture. So, Aaron, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast today. Uh, Your insights and your um, points, I think, are really, really important and really added to our our broader conversation Mm -hmm. of where we were going. So thank you so much for joining us.
4: Thanks for the invite. I appreciate it.
1: Thanks, Aaron.
0: Okay, everybody, we've come to Section 3 of the podcast three things to do. This is where Marianne and I look through the episode and really kind of think about what are three things you could do, three pragmatic things you could do today to begin to pare- prepare for tomorrow. And on this show, this one this one was a bit of a tough one. Um, it could be a bit of a scary one, I think, for some folks. We we're looking at the future of digital security and business, but more specifically, what you need to know. What mm-hmm. what do you need to know as a business so that it isn't completely overwhelming? And, I, and as we, we dive right in, Marianne, I think number one of the three things to do, and I think you won't, won't disagree with me at all on this one, it comes from, comes from Natalie, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Venata, that the one thing that you can do is do the three simple things. Mm-hmm. I Agreed. think she did a great job with that one, saying, you know, you got to patch your computer, you got to question why people are asking for access to your data and what they're going to do with your data, and by all means, don't use the same password everywhere. If you can do those three simple things, Certainly, if you can do them as a person, if you can do them as a family, you will certainly be more secure. Mm-hmm. And you can start to apply them to your business as well. Make sure you're taking those three simple steps, I think. And that, that really will actually just take you so much further and get you prepared. Agreed. Okay, so that's number one. Do the three things. Second is prioritize. So the th- second thing you can do is prioritize security. And what we mean by that is, as you're going through and thinking about security, make sure it's top of mind. As As we talked about on the show, this is not a one and done. This mm-hmm. is not something you can right. just take care of. Just like physical, physical security is always a concern, that digital security is always going to be a concern as well. So when it comes to digital security, make sure you're prioritizing it.
1: And I really like the point that our uh, one of our guest speakers made, that st- you're stewards of the data, not owners of this personal data. So... Um, go ahead and have a plan in place. It's a when and not an if that you're going to have a breach. Have a plan in place. Your response is quick and decisive. Share that plan with both internally within your teams and also externally to your customer and clients so they're confident in your role in the duty of care process for their employees.
0: And you know, Marianne, I think one of the ideas that came out that I really liked, and we've talked about this before, and, it, and it's come up, is duty of care. Mm-hmm. That as you're, as you're prioritizing it, you may ask, okay, how, how do we prioritize it? What do we do? All right, well, there's a simple way. Most everybody in this industry under, understands the concept of duty of care in mm-hmm. the physical world. So just apply that to the digital world. Right. So then prioritize that and think about what those implications. I think if you just start there, then you're going to be worlds ahead. Mm-hmm. And a third thing that you can do is collaborate. Again, this came up multiple times in the podcast. We're always for big collaboration. So collaborate. This problem, the problem of digital and cybersecurity is so big and so new, but it's surmountable when you can collaborate. So that could be with a trusted advisor. It could be with other people in the industry. It could be with researchers or universities, giving them an understanding of your business because you understand your business and what you need to do, what requirements you might need for security as well. So collaboration can really help you.
1: And I want to touch on the hiring expertise part of that collaborative um, opportunity. So uh, finding a trusted expert to help your company navigate it, I think, is critically important. And I think it was Bob that said, be vigilant and selective, not only in the new technology that you're choosing and implementing within your company, but also in the partners that you choose to collaborate with.
0: Yeah, understanding those partners. I think mm-hmm. that's that's so important, understanding what they're doing. Because oftentimes, your partners or the people who are involved in your network, if they're a weak link, they make you a wink leak because Absolutely. you're kind of depending on what them. So understanding that, especially when you collaborate, that's a good, that's a good caution. So those are your three things to do. You know, number one, do the three simple things, just do them, just, just do them and you'll be, you'll be more secure. So do the three simple things, prioritize, prioritize security and collaborate, collaborate with others. I think that I hopefully as you look at this episode and you think about the future of digital security and business, what you need to know, I think if you do those three things today, mm-hmm. you're going to be a lot better off. Okay. So
1: Marianne, why don't you uh, take us to the exit? Okay. Well, thank you everyone for listening to Navigating the Noise podcast brought to you by CHPA and ASAP. So reach out to us, please, and let us know what else you'd like to hear. What else you'd like to ask BDJ or just to help me personally stump the futurist by emailing me at map at chpaonline.org. And you can also follow us on Twitter at CHPA Online or visit our website, www.chpaonline.org.
0: Thanks, everybody, for joining us here on Navigating the Noise, brought to you by CHPA and ASAP. We'll talk to you again soon.